Hey, no name calling here. Just differing opinions going head to head. With Counterpoint. Here's Alex Pearson on Global News Radio. Time for Counterpoint, which is brought to you by our friends over at Pizzaville. You can head over to pizzaville.ca or give them a call, 4167 363636. Of course, we've got our Wednesday usuals in. John Mraz, former Liberal War Room director with uh, lots of election spirits. Hello. Hi, Orange Hair. And Bill Hutchison, former broadcaster, longtime journalist, professor over at Seneca. Hello. Hi there. All right. Um, we were just chatting about this in the last segment. You know, there was a report in uh, the Toronto Star that reveals a Vaughan uh, fire department uh, refused to send out a crew to clean up after a woman had taken her life on uh, from a bridge onto the 400. They had been at the scene initially to check out the situation. Normally, fire will stick around and they do clean up. But this particular situation... They did not. It sent the cops into a real panic because they had to clear the road. It delayed everything um, while they tried to find somebody to do it. But, Bill, um, we've both covered lots of these things. It's just not something that we've seen. But if trauma is now going to be an issue for frontline workers, then they can't be frontline workers. No, it, it's sadly, it's part of the job. It's part of what you've got to expect as a first responder. You're going to see horrific scenes. And they were on scene beforehand, so... I don't know that they can claim the risk of post-traumatic stress syndrome going back to hose it down. And then the, the manager or the, 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 uh, who made the call said, well, we can't just hose it into the, into the ditch. So we've got to, you've got to have a third party come in and remediate property. I don't, it doesn't make any sense to me. It's never been the case ever before. It, it doesn't make any sense. And, and yes, some first responders do suffer from PTSD and I understand that and they should receive all the support and all the help that they can get. But that's unfortunately a fact of, of life in that job, in that kind of uh, role. Yeah, I mean, when you go and apply for these jobs, John, it's pretty clear that you're going to be tested beyond anything. And they do act like they, they, they tell you, here's what you're going to see. Here are the scenarios. They would run through all the scenarios. And there's never a good one. I mean, the cat up the tree is like daily stuff, but they go to some real serious stuff on a daily basis. Whether you're a cop dealing with domestic violence, which is the most common call we all know that as former journos. Uh, whether you're a uh, there's a lot of suicides we don't a fire person them. yeah whether you're a fire person dealing with burnt bodies in buildings because that's what happens to fires whether you're a soldier dealing with dead bodies because you're in the middle of the front lines if you demonstrate or display signs of PTSD after being hired then a the recruiters have failed to screen you as one of the right people and b you shouldn't be doing the job I don't even understand this story that is their job their job is to deal with mayhem and carnage that is what they're being paid to do it is not negotiable there should be no third party cleaning it up well it but then you'd be exposing them em- to trauma exactly. it's an embarrassment it's an embarrassment if you're going to take on the responsibility as ugly as it is we are going to take care of you. We're going to pay you well. I think the public respects you for it. Mm-hmm. We're thankful. We're grateful. And nope, we're not going to hire yet another party to clean up the mess that you didn't want to. Uh, for a guy who loves to be the center of attention, uh, Mayor Tory really didn't have much to say about this high-risk uh, cleaver killer who waltzed out of a downtown hospital, then jumped on a plane, and, well, who knows where he is. But then neither did the Toronto police, who aren't commenting, and then KMH, who is saying nothing. They issued a paltry little statement late today that started with, we take this incident very seriously. And yet, John, buried, you know, in the middle is that he uh, disappeared while on an unescorted day pass that apparently he was given. And now we read tonight in the National Post with Adrian Humphreys, who's discovered, how did he get that passport? 
why his psychiatric team worked on getting his identification and documents for him just so he could get into English language training programs. So they got him the passport. The story is it's horrific and it's the absurdity of the comedy of the tragedy of errors that allowed this this psychopath to hit the streets. I don't know what John Tory has to do with it though. Because he's the mayor of the city. No, but it's a provincial facility and mm. it is owned by the province and the OPP in fact are the cops on duty. So they should say something. Doug Ford should say something. The police maybe should try and assure the public that they're looking for him or finding him. And Mayor Tory, who I admit never seems to miss a microphone, for once, probably shouldn't say anything at all because he has no responsibility. It's onus. downtown Toronto. Public safety to alert. No, it has nonsense. nothing to do with John Tory. Absolute nonsense. Absolute nonsense. Has nothing to do with the mayor. Absolute nonsense. Where's Doug Ford on this? Oh, it's right. Can't get him on the phone. No, he should be changing the loopholes. But, Bill, the bottom line is this guy waltzed out and everyone's passing the buck. And, again, we let this happen. So then they know that they can hide behind and the press release. This is not the first time that a, that a killer has walked away in this sort of situation. And he, it was in 2014, he killed a guy with meat cleaver and injured two other people. In 2016, he's found not criminally responsible. By 2019, you're telling me that he is healed enough that he can walk the streets unescorted. This makes no sense at all to the average person. They're going, what? Who screwed up? And and the, the fact that they got him a passport, I, that was the thing I couldn't understand. How do you get a passport and credit card to be able to buy uh, a plane ticket in the first place? They probably got him the, the credit card as well. Well, I mean, who knows? Like, Maybe give him the money. How can you possibly think that this man... But well, how would they leave is, that with him? Like, did they not take it away and say, we'll hold on to this? Yeah, one? we only need this for you to register. You don't need to keep this. It makes no sense at all. Somebody somebody messed up badly here. And and let and then the police issue this statement 11 days after he's gone missing, 11 days after they say that he's missing and they fear for his safety. Yeah. That's what the news, they fear for his safety. This is a guy who killed somebody with a meat cleaver, but they fear for his safety. And and then they three days later, they tell us, oh, yeah, by the way, he got on a plane and he left yeah. the same day. I mean, it's, 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 it's so, if it weren't so like insulting, it'd be comical. But John, no, at the, at the, at the end of the day, the greater public safety is very much the responsibility of the mayor. The Toronto police issued the initial release two weeks after the fact, saying, well, we're concerned about his safety. Apparently, they don't care about anybody. But the point, no one is actually being you know, expected to stand up and answer. And this is what we see now all the time with these big events is this shield of blue goes up, the silence falls over, and it just kind of goes away. That's why we don't find out anything because we allow ourselves to be duped. I think the onus is on Cam H. And the onus on a bunch of people. To come out and, and explain what the heck happened here and make sure it doesn't happen again. And I believe when they say they fear for his safety, what they mean is we're a police officer of any stripe from any level to run into them they're not going to let that guy get anywhere near them they're 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 going to they're they're going to take so they're going to they take, take him out him, they why feel did he's it take a threat. Them 11 days to tell the public this guy was out there cuz where he committed the murder is not far from my house right which you know he could have been headed back there and and that concerns me but he wasn't he was uh, probably oh, heading yeah, back he maybe was already, yeah we'd already left the country now. he's probably but, hanging out with John McCallum but the point is that the, they didn't notify the public here's no. a guy who who used a meat cleaver to kill somebody he was not criminally responsible, and now you're telling At me. At the very least, I would expect the mayor to say, This is not okay. We no. deserve to know answers. And he would he yeah. should be speaking to the t- police chief and saying, Where is the breakdown in communication? I, I, here? I guess if I were if I were to speculate, if I was working for John still, I might say, Hey John, you might want to come out and uh, castigate uh, the people who allowed this to happen. It looks like a cover up. We don't do cover ups. We should have been in front of this, these communications. Amber alert, maybe we should have a different kind of alert. 
lunatic yeah, with meat lunatic. cleaver headed to Korea for barbecue. Uh, you know, let's let's you know let's let's get him off the streets. <laughs> All right. Uh, on that one, uh, Doug Ford has canceled his cell phone. He and his late brother are very well known to hand out their numbers and uh, something unique to them. But he did tell a lot of people to call him. And, of course, special interest groups did to the point that they were uh, putting up to a thousand uh, messages on his phone. Some of them were threats. Th- some of them were hopes for his uh, assassination. Um, it may have worked at the municipal level. But, Bill, in this day and age, you can't give your phone number out. Well, there's a bunch of people in special interest groups who are laughing to themselves, thinking how clever they were. But an average taxpayer can't call up the premier and say, hey, I'm, I'm concerned about this issue anymore because because they managed to shut him down. Yeah, it, it's kind of uh, absurd to have the premier put out a cell phone number and have people call him up. But he was willing to do that. But special interest groups said, no, we're more important. We're going to thwart him. We're going to mess up his life as much as possible. We're going to do as much as we can to make sure the average taxpayer can't, can't reach the, the, the premier. I don't know. I, 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 my cell phone's been the same for, for 20 years, and I suppose anybody can get a number. And I, I don't think it's that difficult to get anybody's cell number. His number is 416. <laughs> <laughs> do, it, do it. Do it. Do <laughs> it. Um, uh, you know, I, 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 special interest groups calling, lobbying. I'm always amazed. I was always amazed when Doug Ford, uh, pardon me, when Rob Ford, uh, the departed Rob Ford, was in charge. And he would, and remember, they used and to do radio, and he had one. his cell phone. Yeah. I was always amazed because I used I to sit next to him. I him for that. I sort of did, too. It was one of the few things because I liked about any, that accessibility. Any constituent, no matter what ward they were in, wherever they were sitting, they could call him up, and he would respond and to them, God and he would try knows, and help them. God knows a lot of people were haters mm. of Rob Ford, but somehow he managed to get through it, and he was apparently diligent in answering the phone. I never called him. But uh, but I know people who did, and he would answer the phone, and if he could help, he would. And Doug Ford tried to do the same thing, and a bunch of special interest groups said, oh, we're going to mess him up. We're going to keep calling him and texting him and, and not let the taxpayer get through to him. I don't know who these special interest groups are or what they thought oh, they were going to, uh, just go know, to Twitter. They were just trying to annoy him, just trying to, to mess him up and, and make sure that the taxpayer can't get through to him. You well, just, you know what? Now he doesn't have to worry clever? about it. His, his day is going to be a lot less uh, filled with a lot less headaches, so maybe it's a good thing. Uh, let's pause it there, guys. We'll take a break and do part two of CounterPoint, which, of course, is brought to you by our friends at Pizzaville. You can head over to pizzaville.ca or call them at 416-736-3636. We will be back after this, and we'll comment and talk about Andrew Scheer, who has now commented about Donald Trump's recent tweets. That next here on Point on Global News Radio. Hey, no name-calling here. Just differing opinions going head-to-head. With Counterpoint. Here's Alex Pearson on Global News Radio. We're into round two of Counterpoint, brought to you by our friends over at Pizzaville, 416-736-3636, or pizzaville.ca. They'll get you set up. We got John Raz and Bill Hutchison uh, weighing off, and Andrew Scheer was asked today for his uh, comments of U.S. President Donald Trump's recent tweets. Uh, certain, um, you know, Democratic Congresswomen should go back to their home countries, you know, and here is his response. They should be able to advocate for their own ideas without having their their, their background or their personal identity or where their family might come from um, questioned or in any way um, taken into account. Do you think they are specifically racist? Like I said, I, I think I think I think it's it's, it's always offensive to to kind of have that kind of connotation about how someone might be, uh, you know. Legitimacy to be in a country might be questioned because of their where their family might be from. 
So, Bill, you know, he stopped short of condemning it, but I'm of the mind, I don't want any of them commenting on this because I don't really think we're in a position to judge, uh, A, an ally, B, some, you know, a country with a leader with a very thin skin, um, and given our, you know, Quebec issues and all the rest of our own little racist issues that we seem to ignore. As I recall, Justin Trudeau didn't say it was racist either. He mm-hmm. said, well, everyone knows how I feel about that. So why were they going after Andrew Scheer? Because he didn't use that one word racist. He condemned it. He in no way endorsed it or applauded it or, or said he agreed with Trump's comments. He said it was offensive. He said it was divisive, that it had no place in our society. He was very categorical in his condemnation. And yet they're taking him to task because he didn't use that word racist. Because I, they just want to find that, they want to brand him as a racist because he doesn't condemn Trump. The reason that, that the prime minister didn't use the term racist, I'm sure, is because a, a week or two ago, he was cozying up to Donald Trump, asking him for his help. Mm. So you don't go and call the leader of, of your biggest ally a racist, well, even though you may you? feel that. How can it's you? It's called diplomacy, and, and it's not appropriate for Sheer to have called him racist either. But people want to brand conservatives as racist. So if he doesn't use the term racist, then he must be racist too. Well, look, I don't understand how, first of all, it's none of our business. Let America decide if this is okay or not. Let them vote him out. Let them deal with it. But, John, you know, we have a province here that has barely, uh, you know, ruffled feathers in our political leaders in this country, and they are oppressing minorities. They can't even practice their religious freedoms. I mean, give me a break. Who are we to pretend that we're all holier than thou? I don't know who was holding that mic, but maybe a fair way of approaching it, if you're if you're going to do that kind of gotcha journalism, and it's done, so it's done, is to ask the exact same questions of Justin Trudeau on the same day, and then contrapose the answers. And Bill, you're absolutely right. I don't remember Justin Trudeau calling uh, calling uh, Donald Trump a racist or uh, any no, number of other things that he could have called no, him and he that shouldn't. he has been called, and he shouldn't. And I don't expect Mr. Scheer, and if Mr. Scheer was fool enough to call him a racist, he would be proving that he didn't deserve anybody's votes this fall anyway, because that would be reckless disregard for what is not only we need help with China, we need to ratify the trade agreement in North America. He just put new protection measures on us on Monday. This is our number one trading partner, and as you say... It's up to the people of America to decide whether they want to, you know, hire or fire Donald Trump. It's not up to us. And when we meddle, it will, no good will come of it. So as I as, think as Mr. Shear and I rarely defend Mr. Shear, as you guys know, I think Mr. Shear did the best he could with an ugly set of questions that were simply designed to entrap him. And, uh, and uh, I don't know who the journalist was, but uh, why don't they go out tomorrow? I hope they hear this. Why don't, they, why don't you go out tomorrow and ask the exact same questions of uh, Mr. Trudeau and then... Uh, mm. and, and then no, you why don't we just why don't we just sit this one out? You know, like mm. let's just sit this one out because the last time we did, we've got you know ir- irregular we crossers. We we just just sit it out. Uh, Statscan says one in three moms keep their babies in bed with them. Another one in four say their baby sleeps with them occasionally, despite medical studies showing risk of SIDS is much higher for babies who share bed with the parent. Um, Bill, uh, I <laughs> we all did it. My God. I, I was like, you know, I could have, waterboarding would have been more fun than those first three months of trying to survive without sleep. <laughs> Mothers have to do this. Parents do it because it's survival. Okay. Um, my daughter didn't sleep in our bed. Ever? She, she slept in a, in a crib. And if she was fussy, I'd go in there and sit in the rocking chair with her and let her uh, go back to sleep and then put her back down. Oh, you pal. Or she's in therapy. So I'm, I'm, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. My daughter is very healthy and very happy, and, and she's a wonderful young woman. But again, this is one of those things where the studies are out there, but, you know, when you're in those days, John, and it's, it's been a while for both of you. Well, it's been a while for me since I've been in them, too, but lack of sleep, you, 
Yeah. You will do things. Yeah, well, uh, um, uh, my baby mama, Ilana, took, uh, bore the brunt of that as I was dallying around the world, intervening mm-hmm. in other people's democracies and elections, uh, and what little I do. But Luca certainly uh, was a kid who was always encouraged to sleep on his own from the, from the beginning to this day. But SIDS is In not, the first three months? I, 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 no, 100%. No, 100%. No, 100% he months, slept my Ilana. God. But SIDS is a term that I hadn't yeah. heard in a long time. Well... Um, we've been luckier with it, but it's yeah. still an issue. But again, you know, in those uh, first days, I would not, I just don't blame any mom. And I have lived all over the world and I have noted that babies in some cultures and on some continents, not only do they sleep with their mothers, they sleep attached to their mothers, usually sort of hammocked yeah. in, et cetera. This is, and in fact, they're never allowed to not be outside of human touch for a full 24 hours for the first few months of their lives because they believe that's the way to nurture a child. Didn't look bad to me. Yeah. Uh, $445 million loan made to Chrysler during the financial crisis, now written off by the Ontario government because they can't legally recover the debt. And that's because the feds forgave their share of a $2.6 billion loan in March. Once they did that, Ontario cannot call in their portion. But, John, this is why corporate welfare is... uh, Honestly, this is why it's got to stop. You know, the 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 late CEO got his fifty four million dollar uh, bonus out of this. We never got our money back. We never get our money back. We never do it, and yet all the politicians continue to force this. Well, because it, it sort of reminds me of you remember when taxi plates meant something before the day mm, of Lyft yeah. and Uber, right? And they were going up to four hundred twenty thousand just for a plate. Some jurisdiction somewhere invented the notion of incentivization or, hey, corporation, we're going to give you a bunch of money to move your headquarters here, even though it's probably not the best spot, but here's some free money. We'll lend it to you, but you never really have to pay it back. And it has been a competitive poker game ever since, from jurisdiction to jurisdiction across North America. It's only going to get worse. And so, you know, uh, you know, this announcement goes out, oh, taxpayers are offended. Corporations' ears prick up and say, "That's not bad. Four hundred fifty mm-hmm. million, and they didn't have to pay it back." Ontario, Ontario. That's yeah. four hundred forty-five million plus the two point six billion. Yeah, and that's well, only okay. one so, car company, so by the so way, because they yeah. all got it. Canada but, you know, and Ontario. Bombardier, How did that work out? Uh, G- Irving, GM has what, about six or seven this. people left yeah. in Oshawa yeah. after the billions that they used to bail them out. Yeah, yeah. It, politicians use this because it's vote getting. Because it's when lazy. companies uh, say, we're in trouble, well, you've got to help us, or thousands of people will lose your jobs. Politicians say, well, I can't afford to lose those votes, so I'm going to give them lots of money. And whether or not they pay it back doesn't matter because I got my votes, and that's all that matters. And that's the problem, and, and corporate welfare in this, this country is, is a, a problem. It's an uh, epidemic. just hand out billions mm-hmm. and billions of dollars, and they hand out to, to companies that and often And with no rules. Yeah. There's just, no kind just of... get it rules. back to us when yeah. you can, okay? Sure. Yeah. Don't worry about closing those leasing companies. We- no. We'll write it off later. All right, guys, thank you very much. Got to leave it there. John Raz, Bill Hutchison, always a pleasure. I appreciate that. Of course, this is Counterpoint On Point on Global News Radio. You're listening to On Point with Alex Pearson on Global News Radio.